0: Welcome to the Recover You Podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhoun. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. All right, everybody, welcome back. For everyone listening, it's only been a week, but for us, we took a couple weeks off because all right, I'm going to get super woo here. Are you ready?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I've been learning about human design now before everybody just uh, closes the podcast right off the bat. Um, This has really uh, helped me learn about myself as a person and actually you and all of my friends and all my family. And so, yes, it has some astrology in it. And yes, I'm religious. And yes, I think that God created it and man figured it out. So that's how I think about it. Anyway, what I've learned with human design to keep it super simple and short is that Patrick's energy is never ending. And that's the way he was designed and my energy ebbs and flows. And that is the way my life has always been. And it's been very frustrating. And for any of you who maybe know what I'm talking about, I'm a manifester. Patrick is a manifesting generator. So he has a lot of generator energy. And I'm a manifester. And so I get like these creative ideas like, hey, let's start a podcast and share our entire lives to you know millions of people <laughs> on TikTok. And, you know, let's change the world. I'm creating a new path. Like that's sort of my my brain energy, mm-hmm. but it comes and goes, right? I, and so the past couple of weeks, I've been really tired and I had no creative energy to do the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So if, if uh, you're wondering what goes on behind the scenes, there's a lot of rest <laughs> on my end, but also a lot of creativity. And then we we get back to it like we are today. And uh, that's why we like to batch our recordings so that we can kind of manage. Correct. Yeah. So anyway, I would pay good money to be a generator. So the fact that you have generator in you, I'm very jealous. <laughs> Now that we've alienated everybody on the podcast, because they're like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Let's introduce today's topic. Um, Today, we're going to talk about what's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction. So obviously, we want to provide you with all the resources and support to help you heal and help you recover. And I just thought why not talk about what people? What keeps people stuck, you know? Um, I think it'd be great at some point if we did episodes on like the top three things that really helped us and the top three failures that we had because we certainly weren't perfect. Um, so we'll definitely get into all of that. We have a whole list of topics, but also... If you have um, suggestions or ideas or questions, please reach out on social media and let us know what they are because we would love to hear from you. We want to make sure that we're not just talking about things that we're interested in, that we're talking about things that actually help you recover and that you feel are applicable to your life. So that being said, if you are listening to this podcast and uh, you have enjoyed it or you have found value in it, please, 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 please just take a couple moments to give us a five-star review and leave some comments about what you found valuable. This isn't just so we can feel good about ourselves. It's really so that other people that don't actually know us and maybe aren't following me on Instagram or maybe aren't friends of Patrick can find this podcast and getting good reviews and people being able to read the comments actually does push this up in the awareness of the podcast world and let our uh, podcast be seen. So if you find value in this, we would really, really appreciate that. Some of my favorite comments actually have been from people that are not betrayed and not, not addicted and how they find value in just like recovery information and learning about emotions and, um, you know, how to become more self-aware and and things like that. And they're applying it to their own lives, even if their story isn't the same. So thank you for everyone who has already supported us. We really honestly are blown away with the support um, that we've already gotten and the successful launch of this podcast. So we just wanted to take a minute to say thank you and we appreciate you. And if you can screenshot, share with a friend, leave a comment, all of that would be incredibly helpful to keep this going. All right. So let's talk about what's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction. Um, these are what we would think or has kind of come into our awareness of some of the most common reasons that people don't heal are some of the biggest roadblocks that we see in the community um, that people struggle with. And some of the things that, and we're going to share some of our own personal stories with this as well. Mm -hmm. So the first one is lack of education or resources to support them. I think I put this at number one, because I honestly think we would have been in that camp right so when i was married before um with my ex-husband i found pornography on the computer i had no idea what to do you know i didn't i did not i knew it existed i didn't know about the world i didn't know about addiction i didn't know that there were healing resources out there for him or for me or i didn't even know how to talk about it i just knew that it was there and i had a very somewhat pg version in my mind even though with his stuff, I actually saw some pictures, which is it's the, that's a whole other thing. But I had a very like somewhat PG version of like what this was like in the world, and I just had no education or resources about it. So obviously, that's what we're trying to do is provide resources like this podcast, um, like my social media. I post a ton of videos and education around betrayal trauma, but without being pointed in in the right direction. Even like now, I don't even know where we'd be right
2: now. No, no. And, and I think it's really important to draw the distinction between the resources that are available pre-discovery and the resources that are available post-discovery.
0: We'll talk
2: about that. So if I can just recount my, own, you know, my access as much as I wanted to quit and my limited access because of my shame and not asking for help, there's only so much you can draw on your own when mm-hmm. you pull in once i was discovered and thrust into the world of of healing and interfacing with a therapist and looking online at 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 resources and getting into group mm-hmm. the amount of resources that were available at that point exploded and so understanding yeah. the issue what it takes, what group means. A lot of times people don't know what group means. They think it's just a bunch of people (laughs) sitting around drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes and saying, hi, I'm a I'm a sexy you know.
0: Hello, my name is Right Right. Yeah,
2: exactly. But there's much more to it. And I think that's what I've discovered. So there's I think we it's an important thing to make the distinction pre-discovery, post-discovery, or for the betrayed spouse, the notion of I'm knowing a little bit. I don't know enough. What What do do I do?
0: But I'm still not understanding the difference between pre and post because the same resources are there. What you're talking about is your willingness to acknowledge the problem and your willingness to call it an addiction. And then all of a sudden you find the resources. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like like anything. If you, uh, I guess you can, uh, well, never mind. I'm not even going to try to draw an analogy because it'll probably not work. Well, what I was going to say, like, if you have a, um, if you have a spot on your skin, right? And it's always there and it's always there and you put lotion on it, you put lotion on it, it never goes away. Maybe it gets a little smaller, hurts, you know, all these different things.
0: You're not not speaking from personal experience.
2: No, never. And then you go to a dermatologist and then they of course diagnose it. Maybe it's a skin cancer or something like that. The amount of healing and resources at that point Explodes Mm -hmm. on you versus what you're just trying to manage on your own. Yeah,
0: knowledge is power.
2: How was that analogy? Did I do okay? Okay, thank you, thank you.
0: All right, bring those in. Personal stories, analogies. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, No, I agree with you. Knowledge is power, and that's what I missed in my first relationships. I had no education, I had no knowledge. I didn't have words to describe what was happening. Even I just knew that um, I saw these things on the computer. I did not like them. Um, spiritually, I didn't feel like they were, uh, appropriate in the relationship. And, um, then, you know, you know, I didn't know anything like terms like gaslighting or abuse or, um, you know, any of that. And so when I, it was so fascinating to me to go through this recovery process with you, learn about all of these terms. And then all of a sudden have a different filter to understand my previous relationship. Because as it was almost frustrating, because as I was going through this, I was like, Patrick doesn't fit any of these um, check marks of like what a typical addict is in terms of, you know, you weren't super gaslighting or blaming me or trying to manipulate. I mean, you manipulated in our marriage around the addiction, but once it all came out, you were never trying to manipulate to protect yourself or to blame me or anything like that. And so I was like, he's just not behaving this way. He's not behaving this way. But then it was like, oh, but my previous relationship checked every box. And no wonder I felt like a crazy person in that relationship. No wonder my stress response in that relationship was so high. No wonder I was so unhappy. I, no.
2: I do I do recall, you know, we'd have all these hard conversations. And there was a, a period of time where we went through having the conversations, but you were talking about your previous relationship. And I was always like, this is interesting. Like, Like, here we are, and we're talking about your previous relationship versus ours. Well,
0: and when the trauma came up for me... Um, and I talk about this with betrayed women all the time too, because women experience this a lot, is the trauma debris. Mm -hmm. So if something's unhealed in your life prior to this betrayal, this betrayal will probably bring up the debris in your mind from that trauma. And there was a period of time, probably within the first couple months that we were dealing with this, that that was very heightened for me. And it was very confusing because at that point, I was getting a lot of um, blending and mixing of the traumas, particularly in my previous marriage and our relationship. And I was like, but I know you're not, that person, I know that you're a different person. Your behaviors are different. All this kind of stuff, and yet I'm learning about sex addiction, and I'm learning about how that applied to my last relationship. And I'm questioning: Can I trust you? Are you manipulating me? Are you lying? Are you really just really good at it? You know, it mm-hmm. was very confusing, right, for me to kind of untangle. But really, okay, so back to the point number one that we're trying to talk about. Back, uh, on, back on task. Add yes. most uh, the the lack of education or resources is one of the primary reasons people don't heal. I did not heal in that relationship. There was no healing. There was no resolution. There was no trauma resolution. I just moved on quote unquote. Um, and I recently, uh, got a certification in post betrayal transformation coaching. And when I took that course, um, one of the things that Debbie Silver says is the sure sign of an unhealed betrayal is a second betrayal. Like if if it repeats itself. And so, you know, looking back on my own life, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I never addressed that. Right. I never, I never dealt with that because I didn't have the education or the resources. I didn't have the words. I didn't know anything about it. So that's one of the biggest things we want to share. You know, we've talked about that a lot in the podcast already. We've talked about the conquer group, other support groups that are available um, we've talked a lot about the importance of getting into um, trauma therapy of some sort, whether it's a CSAT therapist, an APSAT, or a um, coach or a provider that works with trauma and is familiar with addiction and betrayal. Um, you know, those are all really important because the primary goal is to deal with the emotions and the wounds. Right. For sure. And that's that's the, and the groups are really important because of the community aspect. Mm -hmm. support both for the betrayed and the betrayer right um we also found a lot of resources with podcasts and um uh, online articles and um, i think we should do an episode just like breaking all that down
2: Books and things. Books, right. books
0: were huge. Oh my gosh! Um, so I have a couple that I just recommend to everybody: um, "Intimate Deception," um, "The Great Sex Rescue." Mm-hmm. We should, we should do a whole. Well, I think, thing.
2: I, I think this is the one recommendation, and for whatever reason, on personal development things, and whether you call it uh, recovery from addiction or betrayal trauma or even like learning how to be more organized or structured in your life or how to communicate better to your people. A lot of times in those types of things, people won't invest the time. But if you say, hey, we're going to put a garden in our back backyard, people go out and they'll buy books and they'll research everything like that. And mm. you know, that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with researching a garden. But one of the things that, that we always recommend and that I I think I receive very well, but I recommend in the groups is Hey, hey! I will provide you the books. Go buy them. Yeah. Go, go listen to them. Borrow them. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Get yourself educated on this this mm-hmm. topic that you've been in. And and one book alone may may not be the thing, or one podcast episode alone may not be the. I mean, we think our podcast is that, but <laughs> but one. I mean, uh, of course. course. Yeah. yeah. No, but
0: we love Pure Desire, and they have right. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. They do. Of episodes, they so. do.
2: And and so I think I think it's you know the the what what keeps you stuck and you got to think that through like what is it about this particular thing that you're saying well you know people have recommended that i read this book six times why haven't i gone and
0: well and read you know what i book? think you're kind of bringing up that um should probably be a separate point but it kind of fits within this one is just acknowledgement of where you're at Mm-hmm. Um, being willing, you're kind of saying this at the very beginning, and that is being willing to say, I have an addiction right. because the number one thing that will keep you stuck. And maybe this should have been the number one point is not acknowledging that what you're dealing with is an addiction. We see that all the time.
2: Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of reasons. Denial is very heavy in and, it, and, and you even see it in the betrayal. Oh, you,
0: you were yeah. totally in it.
2: Yeah. yeah. 100%, 100%.
0: So we're not mm-hmm. saying this in a judgmental way, like at right. all, like, right. but, but from this place of recovery, it's like, Hey, let's point that out because that kept you stuck for a really long time, not actually acknowledging what it was. Right.
2: right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So definitely um, getting educated, reading books, listening to all the podcasts, learning about, you know, what happens with the addict brain? What is trauma? I actually created a course for betrayed spouses called what's next. Um, So it's,
2: would you tell us more about that course?
0: Yes, I will. It's um everything the betrayed spouse needs to know. Um, the best information that I could gather for the first three to six months of recovery. So you've just discovered that your husband is, is hiding this. Um, you've asked him some questions. You found some things that um you know are hidden sexual behaviors, addictions, pornography, whatever. And really, so I have several modules in there just educating you on okay, what is trauma? Um, and then I have an educate uh, module towards the end that's like what is addiction. So I want you to learn, obviously, about what's happening in their brain. And then also, how can you support their brain and addict brain? Um, And we talked about that a couple episodes ago of how, you know, a lot of the steps that we took to do that. Um, But then I also walk you through, like, what does a therapeutic disclosure look like? What what questions should you ask on a polygraph? Um, And it's all just combined in one place. I have a module in there about dealing with emotional triggers. Um, so it's really just if you want to save some time in counseling and use your counseling time for something else, um, but you want to get all of that information about like what are the best resources and what does the healing process look like, um, that is that program is what's next and that's available. And then
2: Uh-oh. where where could people find that? There's
0: a link in the podcast notes. Okay. Yeah. But then I also created a program for women that are beyond discovery and they're really looking for that deeper level of healing so the first level of recovery is really um stabilization and safety right and so the west next course is going to give you the information you need to do to set boundaries to create the safety it talks a lot about that I, there's a workshop in there about boundaries and um, how to make those appropriate for your situation um and so after you get safety established then it's like okay your body's going to feel safe enough to process some of the pain and the grief and the anger and the emotions. And so that's where some of the deeper emotional work comes in that I do with my clients one-on-one. So that's a, that's the Phoenix transformation. And I'm basically just going to assess where you're at. And then, um, we're going to work through stuck emotions. We're going to work through limiting decisions and beliefs. We're going to release, um, you know, conflicting, we're going to resolve conflicting parts and, all the things that I found to be absolutely most helpful in my healing journey. Um, so those those are available for be trade Partners as well. And then, um, you know, we're going to keep educating and just giving um, free content. You know, I have some PDFs out there that have a lot of information about um, what you should know, like what your what your church is not going to tell you if your husband is looking at pornography, right? I just want you to feel super educated. I want you to have the terminology. I want you to have the information uh, that was most helpful to us in the beginning because thankfully we were pointing it in the right direction quickly. But if we hadn't been, again, I don't know where we would be.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're excited to, to kind of keep bringing these to your awareness. Anything else about the importance of education resources?
2: Uh, just the final point to reemphasize the the point that we've made is, hey, go go look, go find, go ask. And for the addict, that's really hard to do. And actually for the, the spouse, we talked about shame last time. Oh, for sure. Sometimes the uh, both sides don't want to go ask for help from somebody because they're very ashamed of what they're doing. If you're, you know, just if you can bring one person into it and mm-hmm. and and it's amazing the amount of information you'll be able to have access to.
0: Cool. All right. So the number two is, uh, what's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction is an inability to get to safety. So why don't you talk about this in terms of what that looks like for the addict?
2: Okay. So I think the, you know, the, the, a lot of this, and this is an interesting uh, topic to talk about because a lot of it rests on the shoulders of the addict to try to create safety. So I, okay. I can speak for my, for my own uh, senses.
0: For their partner, me. yeah. Yeah.
2: So you, you are, in my own case, I was activated a lot by your emotions. I was very, you know, once I started down the healing journey, there was, Really, no temptation, nothing like that. But I was activated by our interactions, um, and that was very hard.
0: Those are your biggest triggers, so, uh, my triggers are your triggers. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. I mean, you, know, you, know, you get ready to go, and so I think, I think there was a couple of things that we had to work through, and it took a little bit of time. But for example, I remember, you know, and I think we mentioned this in an earlier podcast: is getting enough sleep drives healing and safety and eating correctly drives healing and safety. And we were in a a pattern there for a while where it would turn into a lot of questions from you after 10 o'clock at night. And those are fine. And sometimes you have to do those things. But it ultimately got to a point where I had to tell you that, hey, I have to get sleep because I have to work. I have to do all of those things. And to your credit, you said, no, you're right. We, you know, I need to allow you to get some sleep. Yeah, that
0: was after, that was after several months though. Like when you're in the shock phase and you're trying to create stabilization, like you have to work through all of that and get, you're in the gathering information, but then on the betrayed partner's side, um, there is a point where um, you put a little bit of a cap on it Mm -hmm. because you are then trying to consciously begin slowing down the hyperactivity and and calm your nervous system down. And um, so... There's a little bit of management that sure, comes in sure. a little bit later, which is right. what you're talking about.
2: Right. Well, and and I think the and this is really hard for the for the addict too, and it actually comes out of the book called Helper Heal, and it's basically you don a Teflon coating. You know, you kind of envision having a Teflon coating because you it's not nice to get criticized, and, and nobody really likes that, and nobody you know really wants to be in that piece. But in order to keep yourself from getting overregulated, uh, or you know, or basically in that. In that period where your, your, you know, your emotions are flying all over the place, kind of envision you having Teflon on you. So, you know, the spouse comes to you. She's mad because this is part of their marriage now. And she starts yelling at you, but you recognize it's from a previous pattern. Just be willing to take it, and that's a
0: previous pattern, meaning your previous behavior. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Your, pre- your, your previous. It's behavior.
0: your fault that we're mad. <laughs>
2: right? No, no. It's just, but you know that that it's important to yeah. do that because that that helps you not overreact. And, and- yeah, you
0: want to be careful though um, while we're having this conversation because so many men. Um, I'm just concerned about this what you're saying being interpreted as well I'm not going to care about what you think.
2: Yeah, it's interesting the book actually talks about okay. that. Yeah. The book okay. the the, the There the, does need to be empathy Yeah, but, yeah absolutely, time. absolutely. Well, well this is this is a good example of of what probably Teflon would would look like. You come to me and you say I'm extremely angry. I got triggered the other day by something I saw. I'm extremely angry angry at you. As opposed to me saying, you're absolutely right. I'm a horrible, horrible person or arguing back with you. Like, I don't know why you're angry now. It's been two years You go, I understand that. I understand that, 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 that you're angry over what I have done in the past. I just want to remind you that that's not happening now,
0: right? You're creating and, safety in that moment, actually, right,
2: right? And what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And, I think
0: that that for two things: one, you took you in that the way you just described that you take personal responsibility mm-hmm. for why that's happening because was right. based on behavior that you did, and then two, you're you're grounding in the present moment. I'm not currently engaging in this behavior. You are safe right now. And then I think usually you would also say something, and if you didn't just say this, um, what do you need,
2: yeah, right? So I you, said that. You you weren't paying attention. I'll ask again. <laughs> All right. What so, is it that you yeah, need? Yeah, right
0: now I need, well apparently for my brain to focus. So, so then you would say, um, what do you need? And then so you have those three pieces of taking responsibility, grounding in the present, and then... Um,
2: What can I do for you? or What can I do do right now?
0: Right, Right. offering support. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, you know, there's going to be a lot of hard times. You won't always do this perfectly. But I think the the key is, and I've thought a lot about this, is sometimes people feel, well, that's just for the betrayed partner. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's for both of you. And actually, the quicker you can manage that and kind of. Uh, what's
0: for the betrayed
2: partner just this hey what do you need what do you need you know how can Um, i help you you?" right Right. but it's actually for you too it's a lot it allows you to process through those things and allows you to calm down and be present in the moment Mm -hmm. and so that is you know it actually does create some safety for you and the betrayed partner recognizes it recognizes the calm nature of it recognizes those kinds of things and so um it's just it, it it is a little bit of a of a of a Jedi thing that you've got to work on it. You do have to work on it, but it does put you into safety because you can respond to things and then go go from there. And sometimes the spouse will say, well, I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. And so you know, people go, well, I don't know what she wants. She doesn't want to talk to me right now. Or you could say, I understand that. I'll give you some space. I'm going to check back in 30 minutes. Yeah.
0: I think this is leading into an entire episode on communication. Okay. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I think that would be great.
2: Yeah. So it's just, it, it. you know, it's going to be hard for you to establish safety. The only other way to establish safety for the addict would be for the addict to say, all right, I'm going to go live somewhere else. Well, but that's, that's not recommended.
0: are so mostly talking about um, safety that you're providing for the betrayed partner. And then somehow or sometimes how it then reflects
2: back on you. And it's not sometimes, it always reflects back on you.
0: Yes. And um, thinking about establishing safety in the nervous system of the addict specifically, what's also coming to mind for me is back to point number one, getting into group and dealing with the emotions. Because as you do that, that's going to have a direct impact. uh, impact on your nervous system and getting you into a place of safety, mentally, emotionally, and physically, because with the dealing with your emotions, it's going to help your nervous system calm down because you're not constantly feeling this guilt and shame and you're out of the addict pattern. And it basically just calms your whole system down. Correct. But then also with the group, um, there's going to be safety provided with accountability, safety provided with community safety in knowing that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one of the most damaging things with addiction is that belief when you're in it, that you are isolated. Nobody will love you. Nobody will accept you, right? So there's a lot of safety in speaking the right words and saying, I am an addict and I'm struggling with this mm-hmm. and then getting the help that you need. I think right. that just that alone, I think, can help you feel safe,
2: right? You're
0: You're accepted, you're yeah. loved, yeah. you're you, working through You this. don't
2: feel like the pariah. That okay. starts to go away and that that does establish some safety and, and happiness and connection and all of those things are wonderful, wonderful things that, yeah. that, that help in your healing.
0: So- Safety for the betrayed partner, well, safety for both is very important because I was just mentioning the nervous system. When you uh, are activated in fight or flight, it's a super nutrient absorbing, gobbling state, right? And you can't live there. So the option in fight or flight is either you get to safety or you drop down into overwhelm. Overwhelm is your protective part of the nervous system. It's where it's going to kind of um, conserve energy and nutrients and all this kind of stuff, or we can get to safety. And that is the parasympathetic where your nervous system is a calm, safe place. That's where healing actually occurs. So that's the foundation of why this is important. So for the betrayed partner, basically your brain now views your husband, your partner, the person you're sleeping next to at night, as dangerous. And so it's constantly activating your nervous system to go into that fight or flight place. Even if you don't feel physically activated, you may be rotating between fight and flight or, and overwhelm regularly. But in order to heal, safety is You can't. You literally can't heal if you don't have that foundation of security and safety and stabilization. So the first, the foundational role of both partners, particularly if you're wanting to heal together as a couple, is that you both work towards building that foundation brick by brick. And what does that look like? That means that my, you know, the betrayed partners boundaries are respected. That means that if there's physical space that's needed um, that that's respected, it means that um, there is stability created in your recovery, right? So knowing that there's some consistency in your behaviors and new behaviors and that you're developing new patterns and that you're moving towards recovery, Um, vulnerability, empathy, communication, all of those play into creating an environment of safety in the house and in the relationship that once that foundation is laid, you can start building on top of that for the forward movement of recovery. Um, So one of the things that's going to keep you stuck in whether it's betrayal or addiction is the inability to get to that safe place in mm-hmm. your nervous system, in your environment, in your relationship. Yeah. Anything else about that? No. Yeah. It's a huge deal. I talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and it, and it, there are some consistent themes through the safety piece, but there are very specific things as far as safety for a betrayed spouse. So for example, um, uh, you know, it might mean along the lines of boundaries that in order for you to feel safe, that your, that your husband needs to leave his phone at home during the work day. It may just be, but, like right, yeah. but for somebody else that may not be as much of a factor. So there is some customization that has to happen. Oh, ton, Yeah.
0: Ton. And again, that's why like in the what's next course, I talk a lot about establishing safety, creating your team, how to set boundaries, because that all kind of lays that foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But it's the the areas that you need to feel safe in order to begin to recover, you need to feel physically safe, emotionally safe, and psychologically safe. Like Mm -hmm. You have to feel, and that's where, um, you know, what you were just talking about with the communication, I need to be able to come as the betrayed partner and say, I'm vulnerable. I'm feeling this way because of your behavior. And I'm triggered right now without having you blow up at me, blame me, tell me that, you know. I should be over this. Telling me that your trauma is worse than my trauma, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. And and I, we have to provide psychological safety for each other because you have both directions. You have to be willing to come to me and be like, you know, I'm recovering as an addict, which means I'm now feeling my feelings, and I need to tell you that right. I'm anxious right. or anxiety today. That's right. So that goes both ways. But psychological safety means that you're going to be able to talk to your partner about difficult things without fear of repercussion or volatility or gaslighting from them or them trying to manipulate you or tell you that your reality is not your reality.
2: And I, and I think the the, the if, if, before we move off this topic, the last thing we should say is that's not something that you snap your fingers and you're there. That takes time. It takes working with each other. It takes... Um,
0: if this is happening, it also takes a lot of Uh, trauma therapy. It does.
2: It it, it takes learning because there'll be some times when you're trying to be super attuned and, and it's just not the time for that. And so sometimes it it is important that the, that the spouses take some time away. Yeah. Sometimes that is important.
0: I would say too that, um, we, we never recommend couples counseling as like the primary go-to, but if you're in cycles like that with communication, where it's just, you're not feeling heard and you are feeling gaslit and it's not, you're not being listened to, then that, those, situations are maybe appropriate now it, to get couples counseling because they primarily focus on communication mm-hmm. where they can. And um, I would still recommend that they are, um, you know, CSATs that do couple stuff or, you know, people that are very aware of of betrayal and addiction that right. would be within, you know, identifying these, how to support you and communicating mm-hmm. clearly and um, you know, everything, but you know, your, your partner best. So sometimes that's a good mm-hmm. situation. And sometimes that's healthy to go do that. And sometimes it's not, Um, you know, so kind of, we just want to put that caveat out there, but that where that's the only place that I'm kind of like, Oh, couples counseling can sometimes be helpful if it's a communication issue. If you're, if you just really feel like you're not being heard Mm -hmm. and like, you're going around in circles. Otherwise it's like separate trauma healing on both parties uh, as Mm -hmm. individuals. Okay, so the third um thing that's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction is, and this is so common, and we have a lot of stories to talk about this today within our own story, because this is just a reality, I think, for everybody, and that is that we are afraid of facing pain in order to process it. Nobody wants to feel pain. And our brain is um our brain is always gonna default to comfort. Our brain really likes patterns, it likes consistency, mm-hmm. and we're always gonna go to what we think feels the best. That's just our natural default. So in order to heal and recover, we're actually consciously making choices to feel pain, which is so, um, it just doesn't feel right. And in the beginning, right. Right, right. And it really, I remember being so frustrated about this concept, right. At the beginning, I was like, I cannot believe that I'm going to have to process all these emotions and deal with all of this because of something that you did. Right. It is what it is, Mm -hmm. but, but I didn't really have a choice because it's either deal with this or stay stuck, right? Deal with these emotions or stay with you and have these things come up for the next 50 years or uh, not, or sorry, not deal with the emotions and have them say, or not deal with the emotions and divorce, and then have them come up in all of my other relationships. Right. right.
2: Well, and, and they actually say in, in the conquer group that we, that we talked about that, when when you get discovered or when you start this healing journey that the pain in your life is actually going to go up yeah and and it's because you're no longer have those those patterns you're going to have to confront things you're not numbing anymore you're gonna have to really confront things but it's in those moments of deep pain where the where the most beautiful recovery starts to happen because you learn things about yourself that you haven't allowed your body to learn over time
0: yeah no it's 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 for the addict, it's like this conscious decision that I'm gonna feel my feelings. And that's like the most uh counterintuitive Mm -hmm. thing for an addict to do. And it feels horrible because you're you don't know what it feels like at that point to have anxiety and actually sit with it and move through it because you've never done it before, or if you have, it's been a really long time. Um, so the idea I think sometimes is that this emotion is so painful and it will never go away. So if I start to feel it, that's the end of me. Mm -hmm. And it really takes a lot of courage and bravery to say, I know that's not true. I'm going to use a counselor. I'm going to use a therapist. I'm going to use a coach. I'm going to use parasympathetic tools. I'm going to use whatever it takes. To actually sit down and face this, and feel it, and move through it, instead of trying to go around it yeah. or suppressing it. Right,
2: right, and I often I often feel this about the the men who enter the programs, or you know, because you know, they, you got you got to feel that there's there you got to recognize there's there's two responses to being discovered. You can run away. You can not change. Right or you can start down that painful process with its ups and downs and backslides and all of these different things. But the men who are the or the addicts who engage in that, actually, to your point that you just said, have a lot of courage. There's a lot of courage there because they, it's hard to walk into a group, much like it is for the betrayed spouse, like you had mentioned, to walk into a group of betrayed women. It's hard to do that. It's, you know, you want to be like, well, and I might be showing my age, but, you know, like, no, uh, um, Friends is on tonight. I want to watch Friends. I couldn't think of a modern show because we don't watch any modern shows. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? That, that's, you know, that's obviously much more relaxing to watch, have a glass of wine and watch Friends. It's hard to go to a, a group after you've worked all day and... Yeah and share and that's just really really hard and people don't want to
0: do that it's hard to choose to be vulnerable
2: right and you know
0: I've struggled with that on and off um especially since I have gone public and you know we're we have a platform of recovery and healing it's like okay well if I have a hard day or I have a trigger um how vulnerable do I want to be telling people that you know um I'm struggling with something you know and it's it the reality is that there are emotions, there are triggers, there are things that come up and that's just you need people, you right, need community. Right. Yep. Um, and thankfully I have a lot of that. I have several you know support groups or individuals or women or friends that yep. I can reach out to. Yep. you know um, So yeah, that's really important. but um, so afraid of facing the pain and order process, this is actually what literally kept you stuck in your addiction. Mm-hmm. If you had to say, well, what kept you stuck? It was the fear of me finding out and it was the fear of losing everything. Right.
2: It was the fear of being discovered for what I was doing and and what all that negative self-belief that was part of me via what I was doing. And so the, you you know, what you, what, what, what addicts fail to recognize and, and it's just, and they're not faulty people. It's just, this is what, what it is, is the very thing you need to start healing is the very thing you're so afraid of and that's being exposed mm. and being brought to the light and being put in front of people as to what it is and that's why a lot of guys resist polygraphs that's why a lot of people resist the the full therapeutic disclosure process because they don't want to be seen but you know I I I actually mentioned it this morning I was in a group this morning and I was like it's so nice to move through the world with a whole bunch of people knowing exactly who you are And because then there's no pretense. It's, you know, it's it's like, there goes the porn guy or whatever, you know?
0: the more little groups in our life found out about it, like, okay, well, we started with social media and, you know, some people are on, some people aren't, but it's primarily mine, right? And then, um, you know, different friends and then multiple different churches. And like, you know, the more layers that came off in terms of vulnerability for us, the more I feel like I can just exactly what you just said, walk through the world. Mm -hmm. I assume at this point that people know my story, you know, that people know what has happened, Mm -hmm. that they love and accept us anyway. And that has been such a revelation, I think for both of us, particularly, Particularly since that was your greatest fear and particularly because I have previous church trauma from, you know, my divorce and all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing to be, this is who we are. This is our story. This is where we at and then we're at and then have people love and accept us anyway.
1: Right, right. And, and, yep.
0: and I think that is, Satan really, um, really uses shame and guilt and embarrassment and isolation to keep you in a negative state. And one of the bravest things I think you can do is just to blow it out of the water and be like, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I'm going to get help. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to be brave. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And Because the reality is if somebody is rejecting you or leaving you when you are trying to grow and you are trying to become a better person, that says more about them than it does you. It's uncomfortable and that's horrible. And that's, we don't like to lose friends, Mm -hmm. but you got to think at this point. What kind of a friend is that?
2: Yeah, right, right. No, it's a, it's a great point. The people who who and and sometimes people don't know how to handle it, so they'll just withdraw. But they they actually will still be supportive. Yeah. Um. But but you're right. Somebody who you know might say something weird and 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 reject you is, yeah. is like I can't well, be friends
0: with you anymore. Yeah, or like, falls away. Whatever. Right, right. And it's fine. Everybody's on their own journey. But mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but
0: for your own mental health, knowing that you know that that's sometimes part of what happens when you go through these processes, you lose friends, but you also, you know, can really gain a community as well. I'm going to talk about that in another point, so I'll stop. Okay. But, um, but no, but okay. So staying stuck, um, afraid of facing the pain. Um, I was just talking with you this morning about a situation that I have going on where I'm sort of resisting something that I know that I need to do because it's scary to me. And because of that, my body is giving me a lot of anxiety because it's a red flag. It's like, Kylie, you're not, you're not standing in um, your authenticity right now. You are worried too much about what other people are thinking. You are, you know exactly what you need to do and you're not doing it. And that's the thing uh, with women in particular, but everyone that's listening, your body will always communicate to you. And we, we need to get really good at listening to it and respecting it. Because when you're talking about providing safety, if you keep overriding your body and its communication to you, it keeps track of that. Mm -hmm. So you may be successful overriding um, anxiety for a period of time or um, a symptom that your body is trying to tell you, and then you won't be. It will show up some way somehow. That's right. And so it's really, really important to acknowledge that. I was verbalizing it, saying it out loud to Patrick. I'm like, okay, I know that I need, this is a decision that I have to make. And it is something that I need to take action on because if I don't take action on it, then my body will continue to remind me (laughs) that I'm not taking action on it. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that, that's how it in a very practical way can, can show up, you know, why am I consistently having this chronic pain? Why am I having this chronic anxiety? Why is this, you know, dropping in and asking, where is this coming from? What is this trying to tell me? You know, where am I not in alignment with who I want to be? And then I also see like afraid of facing the pain. Um, this is so common, I think. Um, and I totally, totally, totally get this. There were so many things that I had to override in a, in a healthy way. Cause I just talked about overriding in a negative way where you're suppressing things. There were so many things that I had to override in a healthy way where I knew I needed to do it in order to move forward. And I just didn't want to, and that is so hard in this process. And so, um, It it takes a lot of courage to do that, to Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to find out. And so what you see sometimes that keeps people stuck is um, afraid of doing the recovery work
1: or afraid
0: of actually discovering the truth.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And so um, there will be anxiety or numbing or depression or again, your body will kind of tell you. Hey, something else is going on. So I'll see women, for example, not willing to look at the browser history because they will say, oh, that feels like such an invasion of privacy. And like, really? Like, you you know that your husband is cheating on you and you think this is invading his privacy, <laughs> but that's not really the concern. If the concern is not invading privacy, the concern is what will I find?
2: You know, on, on, on the addict side, one of the fundamentals of of group is to develop a, a journaling habit. And you you hear uh people Jay struggle with that. And then so when when I get on the phone with them and check in, maybe after a relapse or whatever, I always ask, Well, how's your journaling going? And they're like, Well, you know, I just I've never been much of a journaler. And I've never been um and I think there's a fear. There's a fear because you know, journaling is not like reading. Reading, you're you're learning. Journaling, you're uncovering things about yourself if you're doing things right. And so they're avoiding that. There, there, there's some uh there, there there's some uh she had a dream. Um, there, there's some by, by, bypassing. So, you know, they're afraid to step into that moment. So they'll just dismiss it. But it's an important part of their healing.
0: Yeah. So I think the important thing to remember, too, is to always listen to your body. Um, because if something is coming up and you're you're overriding it in a negative way, it will just get stronger or it will show up later. Correct. So um, really common ways that this shows up for women is, is physical pain in their body or chronic anxiety or depression until whatever it is, is addressed and dealt with. And then it's like sometimes overnight it goes away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it sounds crazy in some ways and it sounds magical in other ways. Um, but that there's so much that the body is actually keeping track of that when you're not in alignment and you're not, um, you're not moving forward, it will remind you in Mm -hmm. some way or another. That's right. So, so it sounds scary to face the pain in order to process it, but it's actually scarier in the long run to avoid it. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Okay. So the next thing that is keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction, this is number five, I believe, is spiritually bypassing denial. Is it four? <laughs> four. Okay. Four. Number four, spiritually bypassing or denial. So this is so common. Oh my gosh. So we hear this all the time, being in the Christian community, there are two primary things that I hear a lot. So from the men, well, and the women we hear, I just need to pray it away. And from the betrayed partner, uh, I will often hear things like, well, I have to forgive. I need to forgive. I have to, how can I, how can I forget? So both of those are incredibly damaging and we can kind of break that down. But the idea of spiritual bypassing is anytime you use spirituality or faith or the Bible to sort of umbrella and um, avoid your um, need to actually do some of the work
1: mm-hmm. and
0: take some of the action and feel some of the pain. And so a lot of times what men will do is say, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to have my pastors, my accountability partner. I'm just going to pray harder. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And consciously, they may think that they're doing the right thing. Subconsciously, what they're doing is they're saying, I'll do this version of recovery that feels doable to me. Because the actual work of dealing with trauma and calling it an addiction is way too scary for Mm -hmm. me. And I'm not willing to call myself an addict. I'm not willing to do the tough work. And so I'm going to, I'm comfortable in Christianity. I'm comfortable with my pastor. I'm comfortable with praying. So I'm going to take the responsibility off of myself to heal and I'm going to put it on God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 um, the one thing that you hear in, in, in the groups is I'm going to read my Bible. I'm just going to get back to reading my Bible. And I always ask the question, you're going to read the whole thing every day. Like, like, what's your plan? You know, there's gotta be a plan. You can't, have you ever read the Bible every day? No, I've never read the Bible every day. So like, you know, there, there's.
0: Not to interrupt you, but I will, because this is a really important point. In your addiction, you read the entire Bible twice. Yeah, I did. So it, I'm sorry, but that does not work and this is the point of us talking about spiritual bypassing, if you are dependent on reading the Bible or praying alone, that is not always the answer. It's
2: not. And, and, and you know, the other things they'll say is I'm going to pray more. And you should always pray more. I mean, there's a lot of power in prayer. saying
0: don't read the Bible. Right, right. yeah,
2: and, and don't read the Bible. But, you know, the, the the one of the other counters I'll say is, hey, there's a sword drill where you can take a verse from the Bible and relate it to your current situation and think it through and think about what you're requesting and what you're dedicating and mm-hmm. how that pertains to your per- current life. So if you're just, you know, and like, here's a good example. Example: I, you know, I read two chapters out of the Bible every day. I read, I think, uh, Joel and the Joel. yeah, the three chapters out of Joel. Job, no, not Joel. Joel, yeah, isn't it a prophet? Joel, Amos. Joel,
0: Amos, Obadiah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. I can't believe she I needs just-
2: to read her Bible once. But
0: Joel, like Joel, book yeah. of the Bible. Let's but
2: see. I read the three chapters because I read my Bible in the morning. I had to read them again. And I was like, what did I read? I was just kind of blowing through it. You know, Ashkelon, whatever, well, you, you know. know.
0: why? It's because it was Joel. Nobody knows, and knows, knows.
2: Nobody knows Joel. But I mean, I think that's the point. Like if, if you, you know, but, but when I go into and I do a sword drill on a particular passage or a verse, that becomes very meaning. So you're taking what is a very powerful piece, which is the inspired word of God, and you're making it relevant to your life. That yeah. is the exercise.
0: So here's what you're talking about. This is, um, kind of what we talked about earlier. It is, it is the place of your heart when you're doing these things. Mm-hmm. It's not that reading the Bible can't be impactful, but if you're reading it with a little bit of a wall up saying, this is God's job to fix me versus if that wall is down and you are totally vulnerable and you say, God, I need help. I will do whatever mm-hmm. it takes. Apply this to my life. Give me wisdom. Open my heart. I will right. do anything. Then he's going to provide the tools and resources. and sorry to break it to you, but typically the resources involve more than praying and reading your Bible okay. it requires, okay. you know, doing the deeper work. So, um, he will do that though, but the heart has to be in the right place. And that's where, yeah, definitely pray. Definitely read about read Joel. I guess we all need to read it and find out what the you three, do. Chat, what the three you obviously
2: do say.
0: Um, but you know what I'm saying? That, that makes a huge difference. And so spiritual bypassing is really saying, I'm not ready to do the work. And so my heart is not actually in the right place. And the reality is when you're praying and reading your Bible in a way that is spiritually bypassing, it's all for show. And so God is not going to do anything right. because he knows what your heart is.
2: Well, we should talk about, you know, the prayer I used to say was, and I would pray, and I was sincere. And I was like, please deliver me from this. But Make sure nobody finds out. Yeah, don't let Kylie find out. Yeah, don't let Kylie, and because I was afraid of it, right? So
0: what happened?
2: Well, a wh- whole lot of nothing. Yeah, a whole lot of nothing. And then I actually shifted. I remember this, and I'm not sure when exactly it was, but I remember the, I remember the the you know the feeling. It
0: was like a, you, I think, had told me it was like the month prior to discovery. Yeah, you I shifted I,
2: it. Yeah, I basically was like, you know, let me find healing. You know, no matter no, what. No, no matter what. And and at that point, it was probably a hey, you're ready. You're ready now to fully engage in in the healing, and so
0: yeah. Basically, you were like, "Don't let Kylie find out." He's like, "Sorry, that's not going to work for you." Yeah, it's it's and not the he way he it said, works. I want to heal no matter what, and he's like, "Cool, Kylie's going to find out." Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, but that's. I like, mean, it
0: was so fast at that point, right? And right. and that's I guess that's my point was. Really- spiritual bypassing the heart is what matters mm-hmm. and if you are constantly running up against a wall and saying i want to heal i want to heal i want to heal i want to heal but i'm not willing to tell anybody i'm having a problem i'm not willing right. to do this i'm not willing to do that and you have all these qualifications mm-hmm. yeah that's not going to work for you right because yeah. we all have to be ready to face whatever it is that we need to face and most of the time that's really uncomfortable if we want to go somewhere that we're not used to being
1: it is yeah.
0: Okay, so the other one from that I hear a lot from Christian women is I have to forgive, I have to forgive. So one of the most fascinating things I learned when I was doing the uh post-betrayal transformation coaching certification was and it's just like you I sort of like knew this intrinsically, but hearing that she actually studied this, what keeps women stuck and what's most harmful and all this kind of stuff, and what happens in the groups of women that don't recover, one of the things that She learned was that basically forcing forgiveness when it's not appropriate, when you don't feel safe and you don't feel valued, um, those women not only don't heal, they have more physical pain and health issues because their body is storing that. Again, it's that overriding. So the idea that you go to church and the number one thing that you're told is, well, your husband is praying, that's good enough. He's obviously repentant and you have to forgive him is literally teaching women that they need to override their nervous system. They need to ignore their safety and security, not establish any sort of boundaries whatsoever. In, in fact, override Their their boundaries that their body is raising red flags that they need for to feel safe and force themselves into forgiveness. And what that does is it literally gets stuck in your body and causes you symptoms and physical Mm -hmm. pain. It's so incredibly damaging. So incredibly damaging. So I always teach, and there's a um, I have a PDF, um, the 10 things most churches won't tell you when your husband is looking at pornography. And I believe it's in that one where I'm actually talking about the types of forgiveness. There's a, a forgiveness that is towards the betrayed partner. And the reality is that when safety is not established and or that person is actively engaging and hurting you, you're not required to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Directly offering it to them is not required. There is a second type of forgiveness though, and that is between you and God. And that's the ability of you being able to release the situation, put it in your past, make it a chapter in your book, you know, um, so that you're not then carrying this with you, holding on to bitterness and, you know, anger and letting this take root in your life and then impact everything else. Right. That's mostly about you and your relationship with God and moving forward. But even that would typically come after some sort of uh, safety and stabilization. Now there may be, you know, uh, not, not excuses to the rule, exceptions exceptions to there there may be exceptions to the rule, Mm -hmm. but, um, Typically, the most important thing for you to even be able to think through or process any of this stuff emotionally is that that safety and stability has to be there first. So even if it's between you and God and releasing this, how can you release it when you don't know you're in a place of safety?
2: Well I think I think what what, what hit me as you're talking about this, especially on the spiritual bypass side of things is is there are in in this healing side, everyone has to be has to recognize it's going to take time. And, and and I'm going to get it wrong because I don't fully know this, but I think a lot of Christians will feel and a lot of people will feel when it comes to spiritual bypassing that, Saul went from from Saul to Paul in three days and then he created this huge church. He didn't it took years and it took years and if you think about it, he had to go into these rooms probably where there were family members of the people that he had prosecuted and, and or persecuted and so and murdered. And, and murdered right and so that process wasn't something that was overnight. He wasn't the Apostle Paul three days after he had gotten his sight back. It just didn't work that way. It's the same thing that you're talking about. Forgiveness is something that ultimately you want to extend because it's good for you.
1: Because it's good for you. It, right.
2: It's good for the for the person who is doing the forgiving. Right. But you don't have to do it quickly. And the people that expect that quickly um, is and, – and we have to kind of learn that too when we're talking to people who are coming out of this process, like the journaling. like. Okay, it may take you a little while to to get in there and start journaling. That yeah. that could take some time as you unpack that. Mm-hmm. But you know that I think that's the danger of spiritual life. put this
0: in there too, because you're again bringing it back to the human design. You're a generator, and you can be very consistent. For some people, that's just legitimately hard. It is hard. like for me, that's hard. Um, being someone that's a manifestor and that is also ADD. Consistent patterns tend to be very difficult. doesn't mean I'm not willing to do the work. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to go deep into the emotions, but consistent stuff like that has historically been very difficult for me to create patterns with. So I do want to like throw a little caveat in there yeah, for yeah. men that maybe are, are having those personality types and, and, th- um, that the way their brain works, um, as long as you are doing what works in your personality type and your life to process and face the emotions and do the deeper work. That's awesome. Well, and, and if you're struggling with some of these stuff, sometimes it is a matter of figuring out what works for you. And sometimes it's a matter of, I have a different path, but it's just as valid and just as healing mm-hmm. as long as you're moving in that direction.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think if you can get to the end of a predetermined time period, whether it's a week, whether it's a three-day period, whether it's a month and say, I'm a little bit better at the end of this month yeah. than I was at the end of the last month.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just have so much personal experience I that I had to throw it out. <laughs> sure.
2: Because
0: trust me, we feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Why can't I journal every day? It's so frustrating. <laughs> um. Yeah, all right. So anything else to say about spiritual bypassing or denial? Nope. nope. Listen, God wants you to heal. We want you to heal. He is going to send you resources if your heart is in the right place. Your job is to be willing to receive the resources and take advantage of them, especially when those are from other people, groups, other resources in the human world that we live in, because he's created recovery in a way, and he's just created humans in a way. The community is part of actual healing. So, you know, God even talks about don't forsake the meeting together um, with your fellow Christians because we are literally designed as humans to be in community together. And so to just say I can be isolated in my house on the couch, praying my brains out and reading the Bible and forcing myself to forgive my husband and, um, you know, not blocking anything on technology, not holding any boundaries, not creating any safety. And I'm magically going to wake up tomorrow and have none of the patterns and habits that I've had for the past 20 years of my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: God did not create our brains to work that way. You know, when you look at psychology and you look at the amazing way that he Created the brain and how we work, he's given us tools and resources. And it's a really intricate system. And people have done the work, or, or maybe God has inspired them to, f- to figure out how this works. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of it. Cool. And he can help. like I want to clarify, he can help you with it. He can speed up the process. Mm-hmm. He can work on your heart. He can do all those things. So I do want to kind of throw that in there. Okay. This one is really um, this one's hard, this one's hard, this one's hard. This requires so much reflection. And willingness, again, going back to the other point of feeling pain to deal with this uh, this point. What's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction? Secondary gains from being stuck. Mm-hmm. So, what do I mean by that? A secondary gain is a gain that you get from whatever is happening right now. It's a benefit of some sort in your life. <laughs> People are going to go, "Oh my gosh, how could I ever?" Have um, you know women stuck in betrayal? How could I ever have any sort of benefit from that? Right? It's painful. I hate it. Whatever. So there's a couple things here. One, when you get into the phase of recovery after stabilization, so you have that basic foundation laid, and then you move into the next phase of recovery. That phase feels so much better to your body than the shock. Um, the phase where you're like having all of these discoveries and all this kind of stuff, and it's like constantly blowing up your reality and your world. So the next phase feels great compared to it, right? It just feels great. So it's very easy in this phase to get stuck, and a lot of women get stuck in that phase where they're managing. They kind of have an idea of what's happening, and they no longer have to feel like their world is blowing up. So that's super easy. And so within this this phase of um, it's like the, the second or third phase here. When you're in this phase of healing, you, you can get comfortable in your discomfort. And this happens a lot because, again, the brain likes patterns. And again, we want to avoid the actual pain, the actual discomfort that it takes to move forward. And so, some of the secondary gains, I'll just give a, an example of how this can show up outside of the betrayal community. So, when I went through cancer, Um, I really did not want to label myself as like a cancer survivor or like stay in survivor groups and all this kind of stuff. I just, I just didn't want to, uh, live in that mentality the rest of my life. And I realized when I was going through treatment, why it's so easy to do that, to choose that. If you, if you do, that is because I was surrounded by community. I was surrounded by support and that was a secondary gain of, being in a really uncomfortable place Mm -hmm. is that all of a sudden I had this community that I didn't have before. I had people bringing me food and bringing me dinner and all this kind of stuff. Right. And um, you know, I want to clarify everybody's situation is different. Right. Um, And while I was going through this, I absolutely noticed how easy it would be to kind of want to stay in that place Mm -hmm. because of what I was getting from being in that place. Right. Even though there was another part of me that went out that was like, no, 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 I don't want to be in this world. I want to be somebody that heals and puts that cancer is just a chapter in my story that it's in the past, that treatment is in the past, that that's just something that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I don't talk about it that much. Mm -hmm. I don't think about it that much. I don't live my life as somebody that, you know, dealt with that really. I mean, it's just, it's just a little, it's a little thing that I experienced, you know, and again, I don't want to diminish anyone's experience because everybody's experience with disease is so totally different. Mm -hmm. I'm just using that as an example of a situation where um, we can feel comfortable in being stuck.
2: Well, uh, you know, okay. so on on the addict side, it's, it's, it's the, it's what causes relapse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think we might've talked about this in a previous uh, podcast. If not, here we go. Um, But it's the notion of what that addiction did for you. So, you know, there could be some moments in your life that were extremely painful That maybe you wouldn't have been able to manage had it not been for the addiction. And that's sometimes it's a really hard thing to kind of come to grips with and, or, you know, without that behavior. So now it's there. And so there is a comfort as much as you don't want to do it. There is a, because of the chemicals and and all of those things that happen, there's, it's, it's like, it's like the, the person who gets a drink at Mm -hmm. night, that's a, you know, that's an alcoholic. There is some comfort to that, but then it goes right into the spiral of shame and things like that. So
0: with addiction, there's always a reason that you choose it.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And part of recovery is understanding what it's providing you. I think it's, is it Doug Weiss that talks about this? There is a healthy hole that your addiction is filling in an unhealthy way. And so there is a healthy emotional need that addiction and self-sabotaging behaviors are actually um, providing the answer for, but they're providing an answer in an unhealthy way. Right. So there is a benefit that you get from addiction. And it's the job of every addict to figure out what that is. Right. Because that if you can't, and I, say this to women, if you want to know that your husband is, has done the recovery work and is in recovery, they should be able to tell you what their patterns were, what their triggers were, why they got there in the first place and um, what they're doing to heal and why it's going to be different in the future. And if you, in that's part of it is saying this behavior made me feel loved. It's twisted. It's unhealthy, but that's what it was giving to me because my belief was that I'm unlovable. Yeah. This gave me the attention that I wanted. It provided this outcome for me. I've worked on my, I've worked on my belief that I'm unlovable. I have released that trauma and now I find love and support through my group or, um, through this or through that. Right. And, um, I actively work on if I feel unlovable, these are the things that I say and these are the things that I do. Right. 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 So that's this type of conversation Mm -hmm. an addict in recovery should be able to have very clearly is outlining those things. Um, and you know, women in, in, um, There's two, you know, two things I sort of mentioned within secondary gains of being second. I'm sure there's a lot more, but two things is one, I'm comfortable where I'm at and I don't have to feel the pain of moving forward. Another is, um, you're always going to have a reason for being unhappy if you're staying stuck,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right? So if you're unhappy, you're going to have an excuse and you'll, you'll also in this situation always have somebody to blame. Right right? And so if your life isn't going the way that you want or whatever, um, and you are not moving forward, the secondary gain to not moving forward is that, well, you can always blame it on someone. You have an excuse. There's a reason, right? I can avoid responsibility. I can avoid the pain of actually dealing with my own emotions. I can avoid the pain of actually processing the grief and the loss of our relationship. I can avoid the pain of actually Um, becoming vulnerable because becoming vulnerable is one of the things that's required to actually move forward in healing. Mm -hmm. And after betrayal, that is the scariest thing. The idea of being vulnerable with your current partner, or if you get divorced, a future partner is incredibly scary. And the work that it takes to process that and pull back the layers of that onion is really terrifying. And so the, the gain is, well, I don't have to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like,
0: mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm saying this because it's like, yeah, we would, we would all be tempted to stay there. hundred mm-hmm. percent. There are so many times in this recovery process, I've had to almost like physically force myself to say, take steps forward because I would be comfortable wherever at the new, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The plateau at the new plateau. Mm-hmm. And I would get comfortable there for a little while. And then I would kind of recognize, okay, we're at a plateau. Okay. I need to take the next step. And it's like, Oh,
2: so, well, so, I think yeah. you know. I think the the um, uh, maybe one of the the clearest things. This is a, a sex related um, addiction that that hurts in 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 the sexual side of of, of a relationship. Couples can become sexually anorexic. And, well, they can and,
0: they can go either way, right? Hyper or hyposexual. Yeah, right.
2: And so it's it's because it's comfortable. You don't have to uncover those emotions. You don't have to go.
0: You don't have to be vulnerable. You
2: don't have to be vulnerable. And so it, it, there's a comfort in that. Oh, yeah.
0: totally. Yeah. Um, You know, there's another one of community,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So let's say that um, there's a lot of different ways that this could maybe show up. But when a, a betrayed woman goes into a community, I would imagine it's the same for an addict. It's so supportive because you're like, oh my gosh, these people understand me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what, what if everybody in that group is stuck in their healing? Right. And then you actually start to move forward and you start losing friends that are the only people in the world that understand who you are. Right. That is so scary. It is scary. Um. Or, you know, there's any variation of that where it's like, maybe you're moving in a different direction or maybe they are moving in a different direction. Maybe you're feeling second day, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, anytime we have a community and changing something in our life might threaten the loss of that community, mm-hmm. that can be so scary. Right. it can yes. be so scary. And I think the thing that we need to hold on to is that, you know, what is your goal? Why are you doing this? Where, where are you trying to move? What, you know, is your goal to be right here? Cause if it is, that's fine. But if your goal is to move somewhere else, that we have to take steps to get there and realize and remind ourselves that wherever we find ourselves in life, we'll be able to find that community too. So if you, if you level up, I guess, so to speak, you're going to find other people who are leveling up because energy is going to attract like energy. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if, and vice versa, if you don't like the energy of the people that you're around, you can always shift that, right? And so just being super aware and being willing to say, okay, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Where am I at in my journey right now? Where is it that I want to go? And are the behaviors and people I'm hanging around right now helping me get there or not? And that that is really hard to look at.
2: and Yep, it is hard.
0: Anything else about secondary gains? Okay. Last one is lack of belief that it's possible. And we talked about this a little bit I think in the identity episode for sure. Um but the but the reality is that if we don't believe something is possible, then we will never take the steps to move for it because we like we we're not even looking for the path at that point because we don't think that it's there. If we don't think it's there, you know, we just watched um was it Temple of Doom? Mm-hmm. Uh Temple of No. What's the last one? The Last Indiana Jones movie? The third one so uh indiana jones is like on the third part of the final quest it's the last step right and he has to literally take a leap of faith into that um chasm uh, yeah and it, it ends up there's there's a uh, a bridge right that he just couldn't see but he was willing to take the leap of faith to see it right he believed that there was a way to get across the chasm and sure enough he got across it right mm-hmm. and um the reality is, if he didn't believe that it was there, didn't believe that it was possible, or didn't have the information that he had that there was something on the other side, he would have stopped at that point, mm-hmm. right? And it was a silly movie example, but we just watched it. It wasn't
2: a silly movie.
0: Best movie of all time. It was the
2: best movie ever, <laughs> Junior.
0: So. There- <laughs> So the reality is that if we do believe it's possible, we're going to find that bridge. We're going to find that way. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, if we're not finding it, but we really believe that it's possible, you might be the person that builds that bridge, that builds the new pathway, that finds the new path. Mm-hmm. And so lack of belief that it's possible to get where you're going is is obviously going to keep you from getting there. But if you, and for the betrayed partner, and I'll let you speak to the addict on this, obviously, but for the betrayed partner, it's like, what do you believe is possible in your life? Do you believe that happiness and safety and security is possible? And if you if you do and you hold to that, that may be with your current partner because he might be on the same path and that's great. And it might not be. And holding that vision of what it is that you want and deserve and value in life is going to be so important to ground you as you move forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think um, believing that you can heal. And you may have twists and turns in every recovering addict has has their own twists and turns to, to, to their journey. But believing you can heal and believing it could take a while and believing that that you're that you're doing the right work and, and that sort of thing you know they one of the one of the tools they that, that is effective is writing a five-year letter or a 10-year letter that that kind of it's basically doing some vision casting for you you're you're vision casting your life what's your life going to look like in five to ten years and, and in the ones I've heard guys write they're beautiful I mean they're really really beautiful and the ones that really take that effort to, to go through that process what's your life going to look like in five to ten years that's a really, really powerful thing. And it helps you make decisions. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So what's keeping you stuck in betrayal and addiction, lack of education or resources, never getting to safety and allowing your nervous system that stabilization of being afraid of facing the pain in order to process it using spiritual bypassing or denial to override, um, the actual healing work really enjoying secondary gains or um, I wouldn't even say enjoying, but uh, accepting Mm -hmm. secondary gains as a value for staying where you are and a lack of belief that it's possible. All right. Well, I think we shared a lot of our personal uh, experiences with some of these things. And so we want you to know, obviously, you're not alone if you are feeling these. And we also hope that we are providing the tools and resources um, to help you actually take the next steps forward
2: yeah and i think the, the the thing i would add is your healing journey is your healing journey it's not mine it's not Kylie's. it's yours and so you have to learn and you know trauma is very personalized between all of us and so understand that it's going to be different so don't try not to compare your journey to somebody else's just just be aware that this is yours and embrace it and welcome it in as you go through the process
0: thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.